Hi, I'm Kenzie. And I'm Emily. And this is The Clock Crypt. Crack open a cold one with us. While we discuss everything true crime, mysteries, conspiracies, and much more. Okay, so we're going to talk about a, a lot. There's three different murders that all happened, like, quite a ways apart, but they're all connected back to one guy. So we're going to talk about the first one, and then we're going to go from there. There's some time jumps. It's crazy, but it took over 30 years to catch this guy, so or uh, even connect them. He was playing it pretty smart then if it took him oh, that yeah. long. And he's a bit of a weirdo. Aren't they all though? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they've all got something, something weird to them. Okay, so we're gonna start with Tim Hack and Kelly Drew. They were both 19 years old. They were high school sweethearts and Aww. both graduated from Fort Atkinson High School. They're just cute. <laughs> that sounds cute. They got a little romance going. Yeah. Tim loved tractors. Oh. I should mention, this is in... She thinks my tractor sexy. This is in Jefferson County, Wisconsin, which is a very small town known for farming. So Tim loved tractors. He liked to ride them, work on them, and do tractor pulls. Very farmy, farmy man. So she definitely thought his tractor was sexy. Probably. It really turned her on. <laughs> Kelly worked at the Dairy Queen and a hair salon. Not okay. as cool as tractors. Kind of sounds like our town, almost. Yeah. <laughs> but way more farming than our town. Yeah. Anyways, they were young and in love, and on August 9th, 1980, they went to a wedding at a place called the Concord House at 10.30 p.m. Well, they went to, like, a wedding reception. Okay. It was, like, the party part. They just wanted the after party? Yeah. So, it the Concord House was a local event center kind of it was well known for weddings but you could have like birthdays or fancy dinners there or whatever yeah and it was split into like half so there's two separate weddings going on there but they had two separate entrances so they're still like separate so it's kind of like our ballroom yeah okay they were at the wedding for less than an hour they were just dropping in to say congrats and then they had plans to go see their friends and then afterwards they were supposed to go to tim's for the night but they never made it when friends and family realized nobody knew where they were, everyone got worried. These weren't, like, typical sneaky teens. They always told their parents where they were going and, like, told friends what they were doing. They were probably getting it on. But even then, they would have, like, at least told their friends, like, hey, I'm not going to be able to meet up with you. Oh, true. Like, I don't know, they're not, uh, sneaky and, um... They were good noodles. Yes, good noodles. So they really realized something was wrong when Tim's dad finds his car still at the Concord house. The keys were in it along with his wallet. And they're like, okay, Tim Uh-oh. wouldn't leave his keys in his car and he sure as hell wouldn't leave his wallet if he was going anywhere. Like, And the car worked. So his dad got like even more worried when he realized it wasn't like mechanic issues. He didn't like break down yeah. and get a ride or something. All right. Police actually handled this decently well. Right away, they were interviewing people from the wedding, and then obviously, like, their family and friends and stuff like that. Nobody knew anything or saw where they went once they left the building. There was no one outside with them, so they just kind of, like, literally disappeared. 
sad. Mm-hmm. They had hundreds of people to talk to, including like the friends, family, and they had to talk to both um, wedding guest sides. So guests from both weddings, because they were both on the property. Imagine being, like, in the other wedding, and you're getting questions asked about the wedding that was going on next to you. Like, I don't know these people. Yeah. Like, what happened? Um, on August 14th, so five days later, police found Kelly's clothing three miles away on the side of the road. Clothing was clearly cut off with a knife or something. A few feet away from the clothing, they found some rope. This is all pointing to sexual assault and possibly murder. Town went into panic. Nothing like this had ever happened there before. After the clothes were discovered, they started a huge search. They had the police and volunteers looking. They also brought in dogs, helicopters, and the National Guard. Jeez. Big thing. Well, you gotta think that it's a really small town, so they don't have a whole lot of, like, police officer people. Yeah. So they probably needed help, and that's kind of what the National Guard's for, so. True. But damn. There is also a $10,000 reward for their safe return. And I looked it up and that's like $34,000 today. Because it's back in 1980. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget about the inflation differences. Like stuff today is a billion times more expensive than it was. I just think it's crazy that like they had $10,000. And that's not something like the police do. That's something that like the family does. I'm sure yeah. people were like donating and stuff like that. But Probably. Still. Some rich farmers. Two months after the disappearance of Tim and Kelly on October 16th, two squirrel hunters were walking along the edge of the woods, eight miles away from the Concord house. When they saw Kelly's body, the next day police went to search the area, and 70 feet away they found Tim. Damn. I made that sound bad. The police went and got her body that night, like that same day, I guess, but then like came back the next day to like search that area extensively like they roped it off and probably had someone watching it Mm -hmm. they didn't just like not go there until the morning (laughs) (laughs) they waited all night long they're like nah we need some z's first she's not going anywhere yeah Oh, Kelly's cause of death was strangulation. The medical examiner noticed ligature marks on her wrist and ankles. Tim's cause of death was um, a stab wound to his chest. So, definitely murdered. Seems like a frenzied sort of murder. Like, had to, like, not under control mm-hmm. at all. Impulsive. That's what I was thinking. And two different ways of killing someone. That's, like, weird. Like, he had a knife. That's what I'm so saying. So he could have stabbed Kelly, too. But instead he but strangled in- her. Exactly. And this is a sexual assault as well. Like, she was raped. And, um, who was it? Sean Great. He also strangled his female victims after he, like, raped them pretty much. We talked about how, like, strangulation and, like, sex crimes are kind of, like, hand-in-hand. Yeah. In some people's minds, I wonder if it's, like, a choking sort of, like, he's fucking her while he's choking her. And, like, maybe... It's just such a weird way to kill someone, because you're literally so, like, literally hands-on. Yeah. And I guess a knife is, like, hands-on, too. But, like, I I don't know. It's just odd. Just the concept of it is just weird. Mm Mm-hmm. They're two very different ways of killing someone. 
That's why I was confused. At first, I was like, did two people do this? Like, were there two people there? But I, I, I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. It's not out of the realm of possibility, but I don't think that was the case. <laughs> I'm curious, like, how this went down, though. Like, I bet, what's his name? Tim. Tim. I think Tim was probably trying to protect Kelly. Probably. And so he just kind of, like, impulsively stabbed him, whatever. He Get drops him out dead. Of the way. Yeah. Probably. Could take his time. Like, it sounds so bad. Like, I feel. <laughs> but, like, take his time with Kelly. Yeah. So then. I don't know. I mean, he had to have done it that way because otherwise, I mean, Tim would have either fought him off or ran away while he was doing his stuff with Kelly. That's what I'm saying. Like, what was, what did he have Tim doing? (laughs) Anyways, after months of investigating and questioning everyone they could possibly think of, the case went cold for almost 30 years. Now we're going to jump to 2007. Damn. Yeah. Big jump. Damn. Told you there's gonna be some time jumps. So in 2007, Wisconsin got a cold case grant, which I didn't know was a thing. I didn't know that was a thing either. Basically, they get money for like putting resources and people into cold cases to help solve them. And they got to choose basically five cold cases to actually like full blown look into again. And they chose obviously the Sweetheart Murders was one of them. I don't know about the other four, but and then in in 2007, uh, DNA was also very commonly used to help solve cases. It was a thing at this time. So they swabbed Kelly's underwear, and they sent it for DNA tests. They found DNA from semen, but they did not have a match, and the case went cold for another two years. Jeez. <laughs> two th- at least they have, like, DNA, though. Yeah. Which is, like... Can be helpful. Yeah, which is very helpful. In 2009, investigators decided to make all of their all of their information public, hoping to generate leads, and this actually paid off. This case took a bit of a turn after April April Balasio. No, April Balasio. Yeah, that's how you say her name. From Ashtabula, Ohio, found an article on her computer about oh. the Sweetheart murders. So 2009, years later, this girl's on her computer and she's like, I found an article. While reading the article, she realized she recognized the Concord house. She said, quote, I was shaking because immediately I knew who it was that had committed the murders. So, like, like I That's got this solved. Interesting. I know. I was like, oh, my God. What does she know? You'll see. We're going to talk about April's family for a little bit. Actually, for quite a while. Until, like, the last two pages. So. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. All the way in Ohio? Yeah. Did she, like, used to live in Wisconsin or something and moved out to Ohio? Yeah, but we'll get into that in a second. Okay. I have so many questions. So we're going to go way back in time now. Yeah, April's the oldest of five kids that Edward Wayne Edwards had. Edward Wayne Edwards. Yes. That's a name. With his wife, Kay Edwards. They had a great family, supposedly, and their kids were very much loved and cared for. Well, that's good. Edward wrote a book in 1972 that was very successful, so they had a comfortable amount of money. Like, they weren't rich, but they weren't struggling. Yeah. 
that's that's the life right there yeah the book was called metamorphosis of a criminal he went to prison for 14 years after he robbed a bank and the book's basically about him starting his life over and becoming a better person Mm. i feel like that's not true though uh edward called himself a reformed criminal and he even did a few motivational ted talk style speakings okay he did these motivational speeches at schools, colleges, um, and, like, places where there was a lot of really, like, troubled kids, like, poor high schools where, like, there's Imagine a lot of kids Imagine being trouble. one of those kids, mm-hmm. hearing this speech or whatever, and I'm assuming this is the guy that did everything. Yeah. And then <laughs> finding out everything he does later on. It'd be like, damn, he actually inspired me when I was a kid, and now he's a fucking murderer? Well, I know where yeah. my life's going. And he got pretty famous. He even did a few, like, radio shows. Really? Yeah. Well, he was, like, a guest on a few radio shows. Damn. Yeah. I don't know why, but this book was kind of, like, really up there on the charts for a minute. But his fame did not last long. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. He ended up having to get a few odd jobs to help the family, and these jobs were often out of state, and the whole family would move to wherever Edward was working, so they moved a lot. And we'll talk about a few of the places they moved. Hmm. But after a few years, in 1974, he got enough money saved up to buy an actual home for his family in Doylestown, Ohio. So that's why April lives out in Ohio. Nope, this is still 1974. Oh. She moves again and again and again. But she, in her adult life, she moved back to Ohio. Okay. But this is, like, the first move to Ohio. <laughs> it wasn't, like, a fancy house. It was really old. But Edward said he was going to fix it up for his family. And he did start fixing it up quite a bit. And, like, actually made it really homey. And, like, yeah. Yeah. It's cute. They're wholesome. Yeah. Except he's kind of not wholesome. No, not really. We can we can hope. Yeah. One thing Edward did right away when he moved in was make friends with his neighbors and police and made it seem like he was just this happy, willing to help family man. That's a little fishy. Yeah. I mean like I get introducing yourself to your neighbor. I've never done it. Well, I mean I maybe they that. knew him from his like book and shit. And maybe. so he decided to like go make friends with them for publicity reasons or something i don't know i don't know but he ended up actually helping the police quite a bit oh he would go to bars and order one drink he wasn't a big drinker so he would just order one drink and he would sit there and just listen to people talk and if they talked about anything illegal he would tell the cops so he helped bust like petty theft and a lot of drug dealers so he was like a not paid spy Yeah, he actually became an informant for the police because he just did it so often. The police are like, oh, thanks, Edward. Like, you're really helping us out here. We'll just uh, give you a job while we're at it. They even had the FBI and, like, really high-up investigators come to their house to talk to Edward about things that he had heard at some point. Like, April remembers having, like, FBI agents in their house. My God. Yeah. April said, quote, it made my dad feel important. He got pride out of that. So he was like, I feel like he wasn't doing it just to be helpful. I feel like he was also doing it because he liked the attention. You know, he's not getting attention from his book anymore. So now he's getting attention from the police, I guess. Yeah. 
I could see it. You know, I don't know. Because he wasn't doing this before, so why all of a sudden now? Bored? Yeah. Wanted the fame. Missed his little, uh, what do they call it? Starstruck feeling or whatever. Yeah. There's like a certain term I'm trying to think of, but I can't think of it. Attention seeking? Yeah. (laughs) I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But, okay, so a lot of people in the town thought he was just this awesome guy because he was helping the police, but he also made a lot of enemies because he was helping the police. I believe it. (laughs) And one night, while the family was out, someone burnt down their house. Ooh. Kay and Edward uh, decided to move for the family's safety. The person that lit the house on fire was never caught, and this scared Edward, so they moved to a new state almost every six months. Damn. I could understand moving once, but, like, mm-hmm. every six months, that's a little paranoid. It gets weird. Like I said, this it, this is going to be a confusing one at first, but everything will make sense at the end. Because I'm already, con- like, not confused, like, I understand it, I'm following along, but, like, I just have so many questions. hmm April said, quote, as children, we were told... There was bad people after us because of the knowledge my dad had. We always had to keep it a secret where we moved to so they wouldn't come after us. That's weird. So, yeah. I'm starting to wonder if it's (laughs) for different reasons than that. Not because there's bad guys, but because he's trying to get away from the popo. When they moved to Wisconsin in 1980, same year the Sweetheart Murders happened, Edward came home one night with a black eye and a cut on his nose. They moved that night to Pennsylvania. Damn. Yeah, so I'll talk about it more in detail at the end, but because... No, I can't say it now because then it ruins it. Okay, never mind. (laughs) Oh? They ended up moving that night to Pennsylvania. And eventually they found a house in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania, which is a really cool town name. I wonder if kids there step on rocks and they're like, whoa, it's so slippery. <laughs> I don't know. Like when it's raining. Yeah. <laughs> and one night in 1982, Kay was in the hospital. We'll talk more about her hospital trip later, too. And Edward oh. decided that he was going to take the kids camping because they were worried about his mom, their mom. So he was like, All right, we're going to go camping. We're just going to have a fun dad and kid night, you know? This is... Weird, but okay. Yep. You'd think when your, like, wife's in the hospital, you'd want to, you know, be there. Yeah, and this is way pre-COVID, so I'm sure the whole family could have gone. Yeah. No fucking kidding. But there's a reason they uh, didn't want the kids there, and that's what we're going to talk about later. <laughs> what? <laughs> yep. Anyways, while Edward was camping with his kids, their house got burned down again, and it was declared an arson. Well, the police... That ugh, okay. okay. What if he's the one who's setting the fires to get rid of some sort of fucking <laughs> evidence? Kind of, I guess. Mm. But the police actually found out who burned down the house this time. It was him. Edwards had told his sons, who I don't know how old they were at the time, but I'm guessing like ten to fifteen years old. Like I don't know. Still young and dumb age, yeah. but old enough to start a fire. He told them to burn down the house. What the fuck? He wanted to inc- collect the insurance money. 
Like, why would you do that? So he's just teaching his kids how to do arson just yep. to make money? What? April was very confused by this, and she remembers thinking to herself, quote, I don't think my dad is a very nice man. Edwards got two years in prison for arson, and once he was out, April did not trust her dad, and she got a job and moved out as fast as she could. I would, too. Yeah, like, Dad, you're burning down houses. That's a little psycho. I'm out. Literally. One day in 1994, Edward meets a teenager named Danny Glockner. Danny had been in and out of foster homes his whole life and had some legal issues. And he kind of, like, kept hanging around Edwards for a while. And eventually they kind of had a father-son type relationship. And Edward, Yeah, it was weird. Like, he just kind of, like, took this kid in. And Edward decided that he wanted to adopt Danny. And the judge was like, well, he's too old to adopt, but I'm going to change his last name for you. So now he's Danny Boy Edwards. And his middle name is Boy. He's Danny Boy. Which I thought was kind of cool. I love that. <laughs> but this is a weird situation here. Mm-hmm. It's like, I-, I almost feel like he was grooming this kid. Kind of, but not in that way. He was grooming him for something, but it wasn't like sexual assault or anything yeah. like that. Anyway, so they were really close, and, like, all the kids, except for April, because she was out of the house, pretty much, like, accepted Danny as their new brother. Yeah. So. Right after high school, Danny joined the military. Um, Edward kind of wanted him to because of his, like, rough past. He was like, oh, if you join the military, it's really going to get you set up in life, you know, teach you discipline, and Mm -hmm. you could have a career and stuff like that, get you education, whatever. He ended up joining the military and was only there for a few weeks. So he was still in basic training when he got a ankle injury and was medically discharged. Right after, Danny disappeared. He was not happy about the discharge at all. His friends and family looked for him for days. The fuck? Yup. Super weird. About a year later, hunters found a body in the woods behind a cemetery. The body was identified as Danny and the cause of death was a gunshot to the back of his head. When investigators told Edward that he was dead, Edward freaked out, like, oh my god, I can't believe it. He was, like, literally devastated all over the place and told him they would do, that he would do anything he could to help catch the person that did this. I don't have any words right now. <laughs> I'm just kind of, like, shocked. I feel like he did it, but, like, why would he do that? I'll talk about it. <laughs> he has this whole, like master plan that he revealed that i will reveal at the like end end oh god april said quote danny boy's murder became an obsession for my father and my dad talked about the murder nonstop. he actually went around danny boy's funeral asking people what they thought had happened to danny boy super weird why would you do that everyone's grieving I was going to say that is not the time or place to ask those questions. It sounds like gossip. Like, oh my gosh, what do you think happened to Danny Boy? Literally. It's weird. That's just not right at all. Yeah, but anyways, this case also goes cold for quite a few years. (sighs) This is kind of when things kind of start to piece together, okay? One night, Edward had all five of his adult children over, so way, way, way in the future. They're all grown adults now. He had them all over for dinner. And they ended up talking about Danny Boy's murder. And then they talked about the time 
their mom was in the hospital because they were kind of like talking about their childhood and they're like oh my gosh remember mom was in the hospital and our house burned down and we moved here oh my gosh Danny yeah boy. And, like just normal conversation like reminiscing but like about the not necessarily the good times yeah but the <laughs> the times anyways the kids learned something very interesting um Kay, his wife was in the hospital because edward stabbed her he said oh when, yeah he said that when he came home, he found out the kids had eaten half a bag of chips that he wanted, and he lost his shit and stabbed her. Wh- what? Yep. That's why she was in the what? hospital. <laughs> he stabbed her over half a bag of fucking chips. Yep. That's, like, insane. <laughs> like, I don't... There's still chips in the bag. I, literally. Just eat the other half. Exactly. Go to the store and get some more. hmm And it was the kids. How can you be that mad at kids for eating fucking chips? And how were they supposed to know that you wanted them when you got home from work? And I feel like any kid, they're probably like, oh, I'm hungry. Let's go look at the kitchen. Oh, Doritos. I'm going to eat those. You know? Yeah. Like, I would open a bag of Doritos when I was a kid and not think anything of it. And just stand in the kitchen fucking munching on them with the cupboard door open. Like, if my parents didn't want me to have them, they wouldn't have put them in the cupboard. Exactly. (laughs) They would have hit them in their own snack stash. Exactly. That's how it should have gone down, but. And maybe I could understand being like. Hey, I wanted those chips, and you fucking ate them. Yeah. Or now like, I'm mad at you. He could have at least said beforehand, I want these chips when I get home from work. Don't eat them. Yeah. Or put them in a fucking Tupperware and set them aside. Put them in your lunchbox. I exactly. don't fucking know. But then go and stab your wife. Yeah. So this was a huge shock, because they're just having a family dinner. <laughs> and he just blurts it out. So. that's Oh, my God. I feel like I would spit out my food. Literally, like, that's one of those movie moments where you're just like, huh? <sighs> the Edwards kids began to question their childhood. April wondered if they were running from the bad guys or if Edward did something and they were on the run. I think they were on the run. Maybe, probably, yeah, I, I would, I don't know, because like, he didn't have to run because... Obviously, the case went cold for 30-something years, and even if he had stayed in the same spot, he wouldn't have gotten caught for quite some time, I feel like, but... Paranoia. Yeah. That's what it is. He's on the run from his thoughts. His brain. And the belief that he's gonna get caught when really nobody knows, but, like... Yeah. So, April kind of goes down a rabbit hole, and she's like, oh my gosh, if he stabbed my mom... What else did he do? And she immediately Mm. thinks, what if my dad killed someone? So she spent, like, days, if not weeks, researching. That's probably how she found that article. Every single place they lived and looking up if anything happened there at all, except for she forgot that they lived in Wisconsin. She didn't look up the Wisconsin one because they had only lived there for a few weeks. So she didn't even really remember it that well. so small that, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Then in 2009 is when she found the article online we talked about in the first part of this episode. And she remembers they lived near Jefferson County at the time of the Sweetheart murders. And when her dad came home all beaten up, that's when they moved the same night. Remember, he had like yeah. a black eye and his nose was all fucked up. She's like, oh, I remember the Concord house looks familiar because there was a picture on the article. And then like we moved that night. So like she's putting two and two together. It's finally starting to click. Yes. Okay, so after seeing the picture of the Concord house, she remembers that her dad worked there as a handyman when she was 11. 
He would, like, fix up stuff around the Concord house. And that's why she recognized it, because she would go to work with her dad sometimes. Mm-hmm. Okay. One thing that really made April question her father's involvement was, you know how, like, you have a really young childhood memory, and it, you kind of think of one thing, and then your brain kind of keeps going, you keep remembering different things, and you're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know? She kind of had one of those moments, because she realized that the night that the sweetheart murders happened, cops came, or investigators, I guess, came to their house because he worked there and they were questioning everyone. Yeah. And he was, was he still in contact with a lot of police people at this time? Like, no. Or, this is okay. after he had moved from that. This is after he I moved. wasn't sure if that was something he, like, continued doing as he moved. Uh-uh. But anyway, she's like, oh my gosh, I remember hearing about these murders. And I remember that because my dad worked there, the police came to the house to question my dad. And he had that broken eye, or broken nose and, like, black eye. He told the family that he had gotten into a fight and that they needed to move because the bad guys had found him. Yeah, carrying on what he was saying before. Yep. But when the police got there to question him and asked about the eye and nose, he was like, oh, it was a hunting accident. Which is really weird. So April's yeah, why like, why would That's you switch odd. the story like that? Mm-hmm. This is all, like, April remembering it, so I don't even want to know what she was thinking in that moment, because I would be, like, literally shitting myself. Literally, yeah. And especially because they moved right after. This must like, have been a hard weird. case to build, though, because it's all based off of, like, I witness, he said, she said, the fucking objection hearsay type of shit. Kind of. Because I feel like these days, something like that wouldn't be that reliable. No, but it would at least make them look into it. True. Okay. Okay. I'm not I'm not going to continue asking questions because I feel like it's going to spoil something. Continue. She also remembered that her dad also kind of became obsessed with the sweetheart murders in the same way he became obsessed with Danny's murders. He'd like yeah. talk about it constantly and like ask people what they thought happened to them and stuff like that. Weird. Because that one has no direct involvement with him. Besides, he worked at the Concord house, so I could kind of see it, but like, no. Okay, so right after April remembers all this stuff and she's freaking out she calls the police and when she tells them what she knows detective chad garcia was very intrigued and looked into edward he finds out that he was questioned for the murders back in 1980 when he worked at the concord house which we kind of just talked about i guess yeah but like he was officially like questioned i guess that's so a was, good thing he was on the list of people in the file in the file, it said he was not at the not at the Concord house on August 9th, so the day of the sweetheart murders. And the file also noted that he had a broken nose and black eye. Little suspicious. Yep. Detective Garcia talked to the landlord of the place that he was renting from in Wisconsin. And he realized that literally, once the police left, they pretty much packed up and moved. The landlord was like, yeah, they just moved out right away. Weird. Yeah. They were definitely on the run that time. Imagine being a kid living that life, like, yeah. on the run all the fucking time, moving every six And you months. think That'd these bad rough. guys are after you. Yeah. That'd be awful. I'd be terrified constantly. So he's kind of like, oh, everything April told me so far is kind of lining up. Like, they moved out. He had the black eye, blah, blah, blah. He works at the Concord house. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, we got to keep looking into this guy. Clearly, Edward had something to do with it. Garcia bought the book edward had wrote 
and he finds some interesting stuff. He used the book to make a profile on him, I guess. Like, he read the book to kind of get to know who Edward was so that when he talked to him, he could, like... Manipulate him better? Yeah. It's a lot of that job is manipulation when you're trying to get information out of people. Yeah. When he was reading the book, though, he was able to tell that Edward really liked fire. He liked brunettes. He talked about brown hair a lot. I haven't read the book, so I don't know where he referenced fire or brown hair. I kind of want to get it on Audible now. You might they be able haven't. to. I'm going to find this book and I'm going to read it. It's Metamorphosis of a Criminal. I haven't read it yet, but I probably will. And the book also made it seem like he sees women as less than men. Mm. I hate guys like that. One of those people. Yes. The next step was to find Edward. Detective Garcia went to his home in Louisville, Kentucky. Right? It's Louisville, not Louisville. Pretty yeah, sure it's Louisville. I think it's Louisville. No. Sorry if I fucked it up, but I'm I don't pretty even sure know. it's Louisville. And then they had a recorded conversation, and the detective said, We're following up on two teenage two teenagers, a guy and a girl who disappeared from the Concord House. Edward, the Concord House, detective. Yep. Edward. Oh, okay. That was the dancing hall or bar or whatever. Detective, yeah, right. Edward Okay, yeah, I was doing the floor up there or something in the bar or whatever. He seemed very, like, nonchalant about it. Just like, whatever, you know, no big deal. (laughs) It's nothing. Detective, do you recall hurting your nose at any time that you lived in Wisconsin? Edward, I injured my nose. I wouldn't tell you where, though. Detective, do you... Did you ever do any hunting while you were there? Edward, no. Detective, so you didn't take advantage of our deer hunting? Edward, no. He forgot his little lie. I know. And I have family in Wisconsin, and they are all about deer hunting. They talk about it all year long. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't know, it's a big thing there. Right away, he was like, oh, yeah, something, something's up with you, dude. It gets long, so I'm not going to do a word for word anymore. But when Detective Garcia asked for his DNA at the end of the interview, Edward said no. What Edward didn't know is before meeting with him, Garcia had already gotten a warrant for his DNA. He just asked for it first. Smart guy. And then pulled out the warrant like, well, too bad. <laughs> You can either give it consensually or we can do it the hard way. Yes. Okay, so this is kind of like, I think where karma catches him a lot. Like, time after time, he just gets slapped in the face with karma, and it's kind of funny. Good. Fuck this guy. Mm-hmm. And we'll also talk about the murders in more detail in a second. Anyways, the DNA was sent to the lab, and it matched the DNA they found in Kelly's underwear. He was arrested on July 30th, 2009, and brought to Wisconsin for trial. At the time, Edward was very sick. He had diabetes and was on an oxygen tank, and he was 75 years old. Damn! he was not doing too hot. He decided he didn't want to rot in prison and asked for the death penalty. Wisconsin did not have a death penalty at the time, but Ohio did. So he thought. So it kind of gets confusing here, but Ohio pretty much did this thing where they went back and forth with the death penalty, depending on who was, like, what do you call Convicted? it? Convicted? No, whoever was um the governor of the state. Does the governor have say over that? Whoever was in charge of the state. Yeah, because, like, Tim Alt has control so. over Minnesota. Okay, anyways, it kind of went back and forth depending on who was in charge at the time. So, like, every election, basically, they'd say, oh, death penalty. Oh, no death penalty. And, like... It went back and forth. It was on and off legal. (laughs) Yes. So Edward thought it was legal for the death penalty in Ohio at the time. It wasn't, but he didn't know that. 
So Edward sent a letter to Ohio that said he needed to talk with detectives. So they went to Wisconsin to meet with him. Once he realized he wasn't getting the death penalty, that's when he contacted Ohio detectives and asked to talk to them. Now we're talking about Bill and Judith. You'll get where I'm going. So he wants the death penalty. Yes. Okay. That's what he's trying to do. Edward said in nine. Well, this is when he's talking to the detectives in Ohio. Edward said in 1977, while living in Doylestown, Ohio, he met a guy by the name of Billy Lavaria, Lavaro. Yeah, Lavaro. Billy was 21 years old, and he went. He would do like the small odd jobs with Edward a lot. I don't. Know, he helped Edward fix up the home, I think, because he did some like stuff at the house, and then he also worked with Edward sometimes just to make like side money. Mm-hmm. One of those friends. Billy would play with his kids, and Edward thought he was making eyes at little April. Edwards became convinced that Billy did something to April. He did not. April denied this, and, like, there's no proof of it at all. But Edward was like, you did something to my daughter. Oh. Yeah, really weird. Yeah, so what ended up happening is one night, Edward was at the bar, and he saw Billy and his girlfriend, Judith Staub. He watched them... And when they left, he followed them. Billy and Judith went to a lover's lane, which I'm suddenly getting the hook vibes. Yeah. Edward walked up to the car with a shotgun and told Judith to stay in the car because he needed to talk with Billy. Judith was like, hell no, and got out with Billy. Judith did not know who Edward was. He knew, or she knew that Edward was the name of Billy's boss, but had never met Edward before. Okay. In his confession, Ed. Edward said, quote, then at that time, Billy says, look, Wayne, there's 500 in her purse in the car. If you want money, why don't you just get it? And I said, Bill, do you know what you just did? And at that moment, I shot and killed him. What he just did was tell her who I was. After that, he shot Judith in the throat. Damn. Yep. Because Billy said, look, Wayne, which is Edward's middle name, which he kind of went by. He identified him. Jeez. Yep. This dumbass thought because he had killed Billy and Judith in Ohio, he would get the death penalty. But the death penalty was not an option because it was unconstitutional at the time in Ohio. Sucks well, that's to what it was fucking considered. suck, Edward. Yep. Sometime the death penalty got put back into place, but he couldn't get the death penalty for this crime because it didn't like fit the qualifications for the death penalty at the time. Okay. Really confusing with their laws trying to do the research on this, but... Anyways, he couldn't get the death penalty for Judith and Billy, but then eventually he ended up confessing to Danny. Now we're talking about Danny Boy. What happened was there was some kind of military life insurance that Danny had on him, and he was going to kill him once he was done with basic training, but because he was medically discharged, there was no benefits. Somehow he convinced Danny to disappear before the medical discharge was official. I'm guessing he said he would split the money with Danny. Like, oh, you disappear for a little bit, we'll collect your life insurance policy, I'll split the money with you, and like... So Danny agreed to this. The fuck? Yep. He brought him to the cemetery. Danny had a bag of clothing, money, and cigarettes. Edward asked Danny to grab him a cigarette, and while he was looking down in the bag, Danny shot him. This sick fuck said, quote, With Danny, I saw an opportunity here. Long range to take about a year to set up, and that's what I did. I set it up to collect the money and ended up getting 250000 out of it. So he thought about this since he met Danny, pretty much. What the actual fuck? Mm-hmm. Had a father-son relationship with this kid and just 
to for kill money. him. Yeah. Because this murder was for financial gain, he could finally get the death penalty. When asked if he felt remorse, he just said he's sorry he had to kill them. He didn't have to. <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, what? what? This wasn't like a life or death situation for him. He wasn't in danger. I know. Okay. We're almost done. <clears throat> On March 8th, 2011, he was sentenced to death by lethal injection in Ohio. What the fuck? Yes. No. The universe said, fuck you. I'm not giving you what you want. He died on April 7th, 2011 to natural causes in prison one month before he was supposed to be executed. Detective Chad Garcia thinks that he is responsible for at least five to seven more murders. I have a little, like, paragraph here on my thoughts because I wanted to, like, put it in there so I didn't forget what I was thinking at the time. Edward wanted to be in control of his life at all times. He had control over where his family was. He had control over Danny, so much so that Danny was willing to go AWOL for a bit. And he even had control, or he tried to control his own death. And I 100% do not believe they were running from the bad guys. And I think he was running from his crimes. And I guarantee you that he was the one who burnt down the first house. Or he convinced someone to do it like he did his sons on the second house. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Mm Mm-hmm. Because why would you be on the run like this if there was, you know, nothing to run from? Exactly. Like, what the fuck would you be saying that you had bad guys after you for, other than it's an excuse? It's not like he busted someone in the mafia or something like that. It was petty theft and, like, small drug deals. Nothing big at all. No. People like that wouldn't be going around, well, I mean, I could see it, but not, like, all of them. Well, and it's not like, it's... It's not really evidence when he hears people talking about it and tells police, though, because that's just something he heard. There's no actual hearsay. Proof. Exactly. Yeah. So, he, I'm sure and he And how would they have... know it's him? Exactly. And Or if they didn't know it was him, like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like they would, if it was like a big up people, he would have ended up dying long before the house fire. Yeah, they would have just found him in an alley and fucking killed him. Their car was missing, so clearly they weren't in the house. When the people burnt down the house the first time, or supposedly the people burnt down the house, if someone were to burn down the house, I'm assuming it was for, like, retaliation. Like, oh, you fucked me, I'm gonna fuck you, pretty much. Yeah. Their car is not in the driveway, so why would you burn down their house when they're not home? You know? If it's some big up dude, they probably want the family home. Literally. Unless there was, like, a garage and they assumed that the car was parked in the garage, like... That I could see, but, like, if I if I were that person going to burn someone's house down because they fucked me over, I'd be, like, taking a couple nights to, like, peep in the windows and know when they're home. Yeah. Figure out their schedule, and then I'd go burn it down while they were home. Well, and one thing that I watched on this, it said they went to the movies, and that's when it happened. I don't know if that's true, though. So, because everywhere else just said the family was out of the house. Didn't say where they went. He must have had somebody do it for him. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm guessing. Or, like, lit a small fire in, like, the back of the house right before they left and then just, like, got everyone in the car. Or maybe everyone was in the car. He ran back in the house like, oh, no, I forgot my wallet. Lit the <laughs> fire. And he was like, let's get out of here. Let's go to the movies. <laughs> this motherfucker. Yeah. Okay. He got away with it for 30 freaking years. I wish he would have gotten caught sooner so he could have rotted longer. And if he would have gotten caught for the sweetheart murders, none of this would have ever happened. Mm-mm. 
Which, I mean, that it, the police at the time did what they could. It was 1980. They didn't have a whole lot of, like, forensic-y stuff back then. And... At least they were, like, on the case. Yeah. They I mean, wanted to solve it. They weren't just like, meh. I would at least say that, like, the night they questioned him, he moved out. That would be really suspicious to me. But then again, how were the police supposed to know that if they already cleared him? Yeah. It's not like they're going to follow up on him when they have hundreds of other people to talk to. They've already gotten the information they needed. They're moving on. Yeah. But anyways, that is Edward Wayne Edwards. How did you even find this one? I just, I saw, I think it was on Facebook. I saw something about the sweetheart murders and I was like, oh, that looks cool. Clicked on it and I was like, oh, it's such a like sad case. I'm going to do an episode on it and then as i was typing up the episode it's kind of when i realized that there was a lot more than just the sweetheart murders there's actually billy and judy and danny too and they're all linked back to this one guy who got away with it for 30 fucking years and he's such a piece of shit yeah i can't believe he fucked up his deer hunting story yeah he probably would have been is, fine if he would have remembered. Like, you would remember a hunting accident. That was the one time he talked to the police. It's not like he had to come up with, like... A gigantic lie or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it was just a hunting accident. And he forgot that he said it was a hunting accident. That was just it. That's all he had to remember, and he couldn't. I mean, it's good that he didn't. But, like, no, nah, you would remember if you had a hunting accident. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he told his family something else, like... Yeah, he told his family he got into a fight. That's probably why April remembered it, because, you know, your dad's coming home, he's all bloody and That's something you're gonna remember. You're like, who hurt my dad? Because at the time, she didn't think he was a bad guy. This is when she was really young. Yeah. So, like, she was like, oh my gosh, someone did something to my dad. And it probably scared her, because they were running from bad guys. Like, oh my god, they found us. Like, Literally. That's something she would definitely remember. That's all I have for Edward Wayne Edwards. If it wasn't for April, this wouldn't have gotten solved. So go April for snitching on your own dad. I'm just (laughs) still trying to process it. Yeah. Okay. So we will see you guys on the next one. If you have any uh, suggestions, stories of your own or um, ideas, I guess. Yeah. message us on our social medias or you can email us at theclawcrypt.gmail.com and make sure you like and follow our social medias and make sure you subscribe to our podcast so you know when we get new episodes out i see some of you listening but you're not following do so it. yeah do it this is peer pressure do it do it do it that you won't pussy no balls <laughs> <laughs> now you have to <laughs> All right, goodbye. Bye.